Can you hear me? Okay. Um, let's, um, let's pray. Lord, we need revelation knowledge about who you are and who we are in you. So right now, I'm praying revelation knowledge. And as I speak today, I am asking, Lord, that you will touch our eyes and our ears so that we may know who we are in you and what your plans are for us. So I thank you and praise you. And I declare your kingdom come this morning. Your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I think it's now probably two and a half, three weeks ago. <clears throat> I, was, I was reading scripture. I got up in the morning, and usually I don't do this. I usually have a book that I want to read or a book of the Bible I want to read, and I'm going through it. But there's times that I, <clears throat> I'm not sure where to go, and this particular morning, I opened my Bible. It came to Romans 8. And a lot of times, if a, a passage or a scripture or a chapter is familiar, I think, no, no, I need to go find something that I'm not familiar with. But this morning, I just happened to look down, and I read something. And at that point, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. Here's what I read. Romans 8, if you guys will follow me, verse 19, 20, and 21. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to the corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Let me read this again. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. In hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit says to me, you fill us hope in me, but I hope in you. Blew me away. I, rem I, I went, what? Did I hear that correctly? And I looked at the scripture and I thought, that's what it says. He hopes in you. And I went, wait a minute. Lord, what do you, what do you mean? Here's, here's the thing. And, and I knew, I knew what he said was true because when the Lord speaks, you just know it. When he gives you a word, you just know it. You know it's truth. And I went, oh my gosh, I've never seen that before. It goes on to say, 
For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pain of childbirth together until when? Now. Until now. And so as I began to see that, I went, ooh, I've got a responsibility that I didn't realize I had. We're always talking about what we're supposed to be doing. I am. I desire to do more. I desire to see people set free. It's, it's on my heart. But in the past, years ago, I would think, I don't know that I can heal the sick, so I bet you Karen can. And she'd get a word and hands tingling. Someone else can. And so that's, that's their job. And, um, and then prophecy, same thing. It's like, ah, I'm not too good at that, so it's somebody else's job to prophesy. Oh, Diane, she's good at that, so we'll just let her prophesy. So, so there's this place. Don't get me wrong, we all have our giftings, and we need to look and see what our giftings are and where to walk in them. But there's something here that the Lord is saying, and I'm praying that we will get a revelation of that. What he's saying is, I am hoping that you will realize who you are and that you will set creation free. It's your job. It's what he calls you to do. So as I've been meditating on it, I had all kinds of thoughts, and I even shared Wednesday, and I felt floundering Wednesday, and, and um, I even said to Rick, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to do this and get prepared. And, but I just kept, it just kept coming, and it, it just kept coming. And so I said, okay, what are you saying here? What are you, how do you want me to present this? So let's go to the beginning of the chapter. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. There's a new sheriff in town. There's a new law. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh, they cannot please God. How does that pertain? Well, I know what it does for me is that when I get too focused on me, before you know it, I can't do anything. Before you know it, I'm frustrated. Before you know it, I have no faith. 
If I'm looking at all of my flaws or I'm focused on what's going on today and I'm not focused on the spirit, I miss what the spirit is doing and I cannot fulfill what God wants me to do. It's impossible. And I've tried it <laughs> many, many times. And, and I thought, so the spirit, the, the Paul gives us this thing and he says, look, in order to fulfill the freedom of the sons of God, in order to free creation, you've got to set your mind on the spirit and get it off of your flesh so that you can fulfill what the Lord is saying. He goes on to say, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead, from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are not under, under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. But if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So I'm looking at this, and I'm going, okay, what, it, what, are, what are you saying, okay? Are, are, are we to fight our flesh? Well, the scripture says no, but we know we're in a war, right? In 2 Corinthians, it says we do not war against, um, yeah, flesh and blood, but our weapons of warfare are, no, there's two different things. Let me go to 2 Corinthians. This is important. I know this, but I don't know why I'm not getting it. Okay. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, during this time... And I think Brady and Maria would be cool with me saying this, don't you think, Ty? During this time, huh? Sure, yeah. Well, if he says anything to me, I'll tell him that you guys said okay. Uh, but Brady, and I have looked over this and looked over this, and this scripture has been a part of me for a long time. But Brady got the revelation, don't speculate, good or bad, don't speculate. And then this happened with Diane, and it's like, don't speculate. Because speculations are demonic, whether good or bad. Don't get me wrong. It's not that we're not to dream. We're to dream. It's not that we're not to have faith and believe in what the Lord is doing. But if we speculate, okay, then what we're doing is setting our mind what could happen instead of who's doing it. Does that make sense? So don't speculate. But look to the Spirit. If you're speculating, you're not looking to the Spirit. 
If you're looking at yourself, you're not looking at the Spirit. And Paul says, we're in a war, right? But I can't beat myself into obedience. Actually, this is funny. When I was in high school, there was a period of time I thought, man, I want to serve the Lord. I, I'm thinking maybe it wouldn't be cool. It'd be cool to be a nun. And uh, so junior or senior year, I can't remember which, I got a book. It was about this big. It was a big book. You know, thin, but... And it was called The Nun. And it was the story of a person, a woman, who, who decided to become a nun. And she told of her journey in this. Well, one of the things that, that back then, I don't think they do it now. Hopefully they don't do it now. But back then, you would take a chain and metal and, or, or um, leather, something. And if you had a bad day, if you were envying or being jealous or, or angry or just being mean, whatever, or had lustful thoughts, I don't, whatever the sin was, you would take this, at the end of the day, you'd take this, this chain and go, and you'd hit yourself. And you'd try to beat yourself into subjection. Did you ever try to do that, really? You may not do it physically, but in your mind, you can do it. And so, so Paul says, let me give you a secret. In order to fight your flesh, you've got to follow the spirit. He doesn't tell you to beat yourself up. He doesn't tell you to um, dis discipline in that sense. You know what I'm saying? Actually, he's saying if you, if you got your mind on the flight, you ain't going to be able to do this. So then he goes on. Let's go on. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Then it goes on to talk about what I just said. Creation groans for you guys. Creation groans. The Lord groans, Jesse, for you. He longs for you. Let me prove this. He goes on to say, go to 23. And not only this, but we also ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our body, for in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what already he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we, with perseverance we, we wait eagerly for it. Okay, now my head is spinning. I go... Are we to set creation free? Or is that going to be freed at the end when he comes back and we got our glorified bodies? It's like now I'm hoping 
What am I hoping for? I'm hoping for me at this point, and I'm a little confused, but I just let it go because I don't understand it completely. And then what he showed me this week is he said, listen, you don't have your glorified body yet, but you have my spirit. So until you die and are raised up with him, you're going to be fighting in the flesh. You're going to have to follow my spirit because after, I'm, after I get my new glorified body, I'll never struggle with sin again. I'll never struggle with negative thoughts again. I will never be tempted again. It won't happen. So my hope is one day I'm out of this battle. But until I'm out of this battle, the way in order for me to be victorious is how? Follow the Spirit. Then we go on, and it says in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. What's he saying? He's saying, I sent my spirit. To make intercession for you. And he groans. And he knows what the Father is thinking and saying about you. He knows who he created you to be and what he created you to do. And so he groans and intercedes for you. But that doesn't stop there. Because if you turn, if you look down in, in 34, it says... Um, who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who what? Who also intercedes for us. Now we've got two or more touching anything that they shall receive. That's what the scripture says. I have Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father in all of authority, and I've got Holy Spirit sitting in me and Holy Spirit is making intercession and Jesus is making intercession that I will overcome that's the next thing it says 37 but in all things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us I'm looking at this I'm also aware that in Ephesians 6, it says our battle is not against flesh and blood. That's where it says that. But, but we fight against powers and principalities and 
wickedness in heavenly places. And it goes on. We are in a battle with the demonic. And if you were at my class, you would understand how, how much we are. You have no comprehension. I tell you, get the book. You'll hate reading it, but it, it'll enlighten you. How do we fight? How do we war with principalities? So we can't war in the flesh unless we follow the spirit because the spirit will help us put to death the deeds of the flesh. So we've got the, the flesh over here warring against the things of God. And then over here, we've got principalities and powers warring against the spirit of God. So Paul goes on to say, how are you going to do this? Well, here's how you do it. You stand and you put on the full armor. You make sure you've got the belt of truth on. You make sure you put on righteousness because you don't have righteousness in yourself. Believe me, it's hard. You screw up, at least when I screw up, I've always had a terrible conscience. And um, when I screw up, it's hard to overcome the guilt. Um, so I put on righteousness. Um, the next thing I do is I put on the gospel of peace, shalom. I like that. The Holy Spirit just whispered to me. I told Rick last night, I said, I, I haven't been, I haven't been able to pray for peace. The Lord is saying, Pray shalom. Why? Why is he being specific? Because shalom means healing and wholeness and well-being and prosperity, he's saying. So shod your feet with the preparation of shalom. Put them on. I've got prosperity. I've got healing been given to me. He said, put it on. Take up the shield, put on the helmet of salvation because you're saved and the enemy is going to try to convince you you're not and that you're not worthy and uh, you're terrible and you can't do anything. You're stupid. You're ugly. I don't know what he wants, whatever he tells you. So you put on the helmet. You're saved. He says, I saved you. And then you take up the shield of faith. What do you have to take up the shield of faith for? To quench every fiery dart of the enemy. And what's the enemy trying to do to you? Convince you that you are nothing and no one. You're going to hell even if you're saved or you're prideful. I, I don't, whatever you're, whatever he knows how to use against you, that's what he'll use. Take up the shield of faith against the fiery darts of the enemy. Then take the sword of the spirit, and we just heard a teaching by Bill Johnson. I'd heard this before, but I heard it again, where there's this, the, the sword he's talking about is a small sword, and that sword is used to pick out the darts that cut by. I, I laughed and said to the women on Tuesday, I said, if you don't pick those darts out, it's like the, the arrows, you turn and you're going to hit somebody in the head with them. Seriously. 
your arrows that you leave in will wound another person. Dig him out. Get rid of him. Get rid of the offense. Get rid of the lies that tell, that tell you you can't do what God says you can do. Dig him out. Get rid of him. So I'm looking at all of this. Go to Ephesians 1. Ah, okay. I thought, how do I pull this? What do I do? I know you're saying this, Lord. I know you're saying, I want them to know who they are. And that what I hope in them. So last night, Kenny and Cheryl, when Cheryl first started going through this, um, they, looked, they found a guy named Curry Blake. And I was going through YouTube, just like Ansi last night, and I saw Curry Blake. Haven't seen him for a while. Pop up on my screen. So I put him on. And here's a man who, in his younger days, lost his son. His little boy died. And he said, Lord, I know healing is for today. And I don't know why my son didn't get healed when I prayed. So he went after healing. I mean, he studied every healing minister that there was. And he began to go after this. And he got revelation of who lived within him. And he said, it's because of the lack of knowledge of who and revelation of who lives within us that we are not seeing the glory of God. He actually said this. This was, this was just funny to me. I said it to Rick. He didn't think it was funny. But anyways, Curry Blake said last night on this thing, he said, how many in here want to see a move of God? And I'll ask you, how many of you guys want to see a move of God? Show of hands. You just saw a move of God. You just saw it. Why? Because Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you. He has power towards you. The resurrected Christ lives within us. Everything he gave, he gave us everything, accomplished everything at the cross, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father, and he sent Holy Spirit to live within us, and it says that we hold the, the fullness of deity dwells in us. But if we don't have revelation knowledge of it, and if we don't walk in faith, of that, or just revelation knowledge, then we're not going to see what we need to see. 
And I went, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, look at this. I've been praying this scripture for since 2009. He says in 116, do not cease giving thanks for you. I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you, give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of his Son. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. I told you he hopes in you. Well, this just proves it. You are his inheritance. Not only that, but his power works towards you and in you. You have the power of the living God working in, in you. Which he, it says, these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. Which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his, at his right hand in heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all. Who fills all. You've got the fullness of the Spirit within you. You have the living Savior within you. But what's going on? The enemy's at work to keep us believing that this isn't true. That we don't have the risen Savior or the power of Christ in us. How does he do that? Disappointment. The enemy attacking us, telling us lies, us believing those lies. He went on to say this. Am I, is this coming through? Am I making sense? Okay. He, he started, he went back to uh, the woman at the well. This blew me away too. Um, he went to the woman at the well and he's talking about it. And he comes to this place in the, in this story where the disciples had left and when they came to get food and when they came back, they say to Jesus, you know, here, master, eat. And he says, what? Do you remember? He says, I have meat to eat that you don't know about. And that meat is to do the will of the father. Curry Blake says something that blew me away. He said, Paul says to the Corinthians church, who was very carnal, I might add. He said, I would that I could give you meat, but I can't. I can only give you milk. And then he goes on to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. 
And he said, some of you think that the gifts of the Spirit are meat. He said, I've got news for you. It's milk. Well, that kind of blew me away. It's not meat. What is meat? Jesus said it. You do the will of my Father. It means you've got to be active. It means that you are the one that's to bring about the glory. Not you, but Christ in you. But you need to be engaged doing it. You are the hope that he has for your sisters and your brothers and your children and creation. Mary keeps telling this story. This is cute. It's the story of the elephant and the mouse that goes across the bridge and they're walking beside each other and the bridge is shaken because the elephant is so big. Just boom, boom, and it's shaken. And they get to the other side, and the mouse looks at the elephant and said, boy, didn't we, leave, boy, didn't we cause that bridge to shake. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? The mouse thought he, the, he caused it to shake, but it was the elephant. But they were together. The Lord's saying to you, I want to shake some stuff. And you're going to think you had something to do with it. But all you had to do with it is to obey. All you had to do is believe. What are the works of the Lord? What does the scripture say? To believe on him. That's the works of the Lord. So as we renew our mind... As we follow the Spirit, I'm expecting to see greater things because he wants that accomplished. He wants Cheryl healed and Diane healed, Chris healed, Alan healed, Cindy healed, Rick healed, all of us. And he laughed and said, and I'll tell you how I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it through you. And we're going to partner. And you're going to know that I live within you. If you'll believe me, we can shake this world. We can do it. Stand with me. There's a few other things. I, I thought this was interesting. I'll be like one of those preachers that they say they're going to close and it takes two or three times to close. <laughs> Curry Blake made mention of uh, Les Summerall. And Les Summerall, he had a, a deliverance ministry. And... He moved into an area, and there was no church. So he decided he was going to build a church. And he had set up ministries before, and, and so, but this time, and usually he just had the money, but this time he didn't. So he went to the bank. 
Well, there were people in town that did not want Les Summerall building a church. So when he went to the bank, they gathered around outside the bank to protest him getting a loan. Isn't that interesting? He carried power. And so he goes in and he says to the bank um, president, he said, I want, a, I want a loan to, to build this church. And the bank president said, no, I can't do that. He said, seeing those people out there, he said, they don't want that church here. We're not going to give you a loan. And he went, I want a loan. He was insistent. Bank president said, no, can't do it, won't do it. He said, all right. He said, in a month, this place is going to be shut down. And he walks out the door, goes to his group of people and says, by the way, if you have money in that bank, get it out because it's going down. A month later, a month later, the president got found out that he was embezzling and the bank closed. The bank closed. You see, Christ within, the spirit within, there is power. He also said, T, uh, is it T.L. T.L. Osborne, who was in the healing ministry, said this. He said, two prayers you don't pray. One, don't ask God to do something he's already done. Two, and don't ask him to do something he told you to do. Now, see, I'm going my third one. <laughs> now, when Cheryl got sick and when Alan got sick, I, um, I said, Lord, we're not seeing miracles. And I don't, it's like we've, we've got to see miracles. It's, it's your promise. It's your word. And so it's like, does he want to heal? Uh, so on and so forth. And then Diane gets, gets it. But prior to this, I kept thinking, it's not my idea. Get it in your head. It's not your idea to heal the sick. It's not something you can do. It has to be the spirit of God. But I'm going to tell you, that the Lord kept saying in my brain, every time I'd get discouraged, every time Cheryl would get a bad report, I'd, I'd think, okay, what's going on here? And, and every time that I wanted to give in to a bad report, the Lord would say to me, I said, preach the gospel. What is it? Preach the gospel, baptize in my name, Heal the sick. I command you, heal the sick. It wasn't a, hey, would you like, Rob, would you like to heal the sick? He didn't say that. He said to heal the sick. Freely you have, freely you give. And I said, it's not my idea. Therefore, I'm not responsible, Lord. You're the one that's in me that has to heal the sick. But you want me to step out in faith and pray for the sick. The scripture says you pray for the sick, they'll recover, right? That's what it says. Is he a liar? No. 
No, he's not a liar. So I'm going to tell you this morning, until we see the change or until we get revelation, but we need revelation because it's not, revelation is what we need to know who we carry, the knowledge of who we carry. We're going to pray until we see results. And if you don't want to get prayed for, don't come. Because we're going to do it. Amen? And so I want you to gather around Cheryl and Diane and Cindy, my husband Rick. Who else is sick in here? Go around Karen because Chris is sick. Is there anybody else? Good. I don't want any more than that. It's like, that's enough for one day. And we're going to pray for the sick. Wow. No wonder we don't get healing. I, I said, go around. <laughs> Gee, if we're, if we're doing that with the Lord, I mean, what, what is the problem here? Karen, somebody needs to be with Karen. Somebody needs to be with Cindy. Somebody with Diane. What'd you say? <laughs> we want to move of God. Guess what? We just saw one. All of you guys moved out of your chairs. <laughs> that cool. I love that. I just thought that was the coolest thing. Uh, actually, I want everyone just to take a tiny step and move and go, I just did a move of God. <laughs> I just did a move of God because Christ within me is the hope of glory because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Not only does it says, but it's not I that live, but Christ that lives within me and the life that I now live, I live by faith in the son of God. I, I told Rick, if there's anybody that I want to come to this church, it's Curry Blake. So pray, pray with me that the Lord will bring him here. So Father, I just thank you. And I praise you that it is not us, it's you. And that you hope in us to fulfill your kingdom. Creation groans for us to move in your power, to move. And we do have power. Now I pray for revelation knowledge, Lord, that as each and every one has their hands laid on, that they will recover because greater is he that's in them than he that's in the wor uh, world. And resurrection power is within them and us. And where two or more agree on touching anything, that they shall receive. So we thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, you haven't given up on us. We thank you that you are still healing today. We thank you that you still are moving. We thank you that you're the one that initiated and said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and you will heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have, freely we will give. So thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. 
Amen. you forever Lord for you gave everything we love you Lord so this is my last message on Lent <laughs> and I'll touch one more time on the Catholic Church and I haven't been trying to teach Catholicism but the things that I was raised in and some of the traditions that I just thought were odd are rooted in good teachings and it's been enlightening to me and in my walk and uh, I think as it pertains to us in communion. So I've been mentioning that the Catholic Church has a theme or a different name for each Sunday in Lent. And a couple weeks ago we talked about they began Lent with Forgiveness Sunday and at the ending of Lent they, have, uh, they celebrate Passion Sunday. Sometimes it's on the fifth Sunday in Lent and sometimes it's on... Um, this, this last Sunday in Lent. And so they would celebrate the passion of Jesus from now until Good Friday. And passion comes from the Latin passus sum, which means to endure or to bear or to suffer. So the focus was mostly on the night before and the day of Jesus' suffering and his death on the cross. The churches would have uh, what they called a veiling, and every statue in the church, they would, they would cover Jesus with a veil, and every cross that was in the church, they would cover with a veil of either red or black. And the veils were more than just a tradition. It was to teach us that something is gone or something is missing. And it's funny what Phyllis said at the beginning, because it was only to be revealed by Jesus lifting the veil upon his resurrection. And for those that don't know the risen Jesus, they don't know true beauty. It was hidden. They don't know true forgiveness or true love. Those things were covered up. Salvation was covered up until it's revealed by Jesus, until the veil is removed on his resurrection. And so part of what we do here at communion, in addition to remembering who Jesus was and what he did, we anticipate his coming, his return, and until then, true beauty is covered. And so we can approach the communion table with a new understanding of Jesus' passion and of true forgiveness and of salvation. And maybe if you're caught up in your own traditions of Easter or whatever, maybe you should anticipate this as an unveiling, a revealing of Jesus to you. So we'll celebrate the resurrection in one week. And today we have the opportunity to celebrate communion with our Lord and Savior.